We are so glad you joined us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Uh, we, we've been in this series now. This is our third week, and it's just a simple series called I'm In. And uh, when we say I'm in, when it comes to the family of God, there's some things that we're saying that we're in to when we do that. And uh, over the last two weeks, we've looked at what it means to be in, and we've talked about a couple of areas. Last week was about being invested and when we're invited into the family which was our first week then we want to invest in the family and we talked a lot last week about the fact that investment is not about money investment is about our our very being being a part of a family and being able to invest who God has created us to be in other people whether that be our time our talents the very person that we are or sometimes even our financial investment but all of it is a holistic thought and a holistic belief. And last week we looked just at a couple of simple things that our perception affects the way that we view investment. And a lot of us have that understanding of investment from a worldly standpoint, especially from an American standpoint, because anytime you say the word, you immediately go to one area. And God's word's different. God's word says something different. And so when we when we when we're Perceiving one thing, we can miss the idea of what investing really is. And it can be as simple as, as giving someone a physical embrace in the midst of tragedy. It can be as simple as seeing someone who is in need outside the grocery store and being willing to give just a little bit. It's, it's, it's seeing a brother or sister who's going through a tough time and being a listening ear when nobody else will. And so our perception of the way we think of investment has to change. And if we don't change it, then we continue to have a poor perception of investment and we miss what God's trying to do with us on a daily basis. Because there's more to it than just coming in on Sunday morning and going home. God's invested a kingdom into you so that you invest that kingdom into other people. And, uh, and so we looked at that last week, and, and we just simply continue to say, because we're invited, we want to invest. And this morning, we want to invest because we know that God says something about us, and it's that we are invaluable. When we say invaluable, a lot of us have poor English understanding, and so we think we don't have any value. Like that's the first thought you have, like, I don't have any value. In value means your value is not measurable. It means that you can't put a scale on how valuable you are in the kingdom. Like, I don't, I don't think we grasp the idea as much as what Jesus did on the cross was to bring glory to God, it was also for you and me. He didn't come to save the trees. He came to save the, save the yous and the me's. Like, that's something to be excited about because it tells me how valuable I am to the creator of the universe. And so as we, as we get into this this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. It may make you a little uncomfortable. Um, you're just going to be uncomfortable for a few minutes. But I want you just where you are to just close your eyes for just a moment. And I, I know that some of you are sitting close to family and there may be a little bit of distraction. But just where you are, I'm going to read this opening passage to you. And I just want you to soak this in personally this morning. This is from Jeremiah chapter 33. And I want you to make this personal. He says, I will bring health and healing to you. I will heal my people 
and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will cleanse my people from all the sin they have committed. I will forgive them their sins of rebellion. Then this city, this community, this family that they're a part of will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth that hear of all the good things I do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I will provide for you. Lord Jesus, make that personal for each and every one of us today, that your word reigns supreme in our life, that we trust that when you say you can and you will bring health, you will bring healing, that you can cleanse us from every dirty, filthy sin that we have committed against you that keeps us separated from you. There is no power and authority that can keep us from you when we are yours. Lord, help this word to be real. Help it to be a, a, a reason that we rejoice, a reason that we sing like we sing this morning. Let it be a reason that people look at us and it brings you renown. It brings them joy. It shows your praise and your honor. All because of somebody like me. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is true. And Lord, all we have to do is trust it. And we pray it in your name. Amen. So this morning, as we think about what it means to be invaluable, as a church, we, we have some things that we believe here. We, have, we try to break it down pretty simply. Uh, what we want for people, we want people to encounter Jesus. Like, I don't want to be in your way of meeting Jesus. And I don't want anybody that's a part of this family to be in the way of someone encountering Jesus. Not making a decision for Jesus. Because you don't make a decision unless you've met somebody. It's like getting married before you got a man. Like, ladies, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's awkward if you come to the altar and you're standing there with a priest and there ain't nobody standing there with you. I do, but I don't know who I'm doing that with. I, we want you to encounter Jesus because He's not some figment of our imagination. He is a, the person that came to bring salvation to the world. The world just don't know it yet. But some of us in this room do because we've met Him. We know what He's capable of. We know what He came to do and to accomplish, and we believe it. And so we just want to get out of the way to let Jesus be who Jesus is while we be who God's called us to be. We want you to find your place. As a church, we believe that every single person is valuable in the kingdom. Contrary to the, the way that a lot of things operate nowadays, the church is not a business. We are an organism. We live, we breathe, and we all are a part of it. It's not just... The preacher does the preaching and the preacher does the teaching and the preacher does the work. We all get into this together because we all have a place in the family of God. And we believe the last thing is, and it's kind of what we're tying into today, is we want you individually to be able to inspire other people. And a lot of us, we have the idea that we can't inspire anybody because we don't have anything of any value in us. And if you are born again, follower of Jesus Christ, you have something that the world needs. Jesus came not to save skin, but to save the spiritual man. And the spiritual man's got to engage with other people's spiritual man. And if we're not careful, we sit on the sidelines and God's got a world of people that need you. They don't just need a church of people. They need you where you are and where they are in life. And so we want you to have that opportunity and so when we think about what it means 
to be valuable, I, I go to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to camp out in this parable that, that Jesus speaks, and it's uh, one of my favorites. And if you've never read it, uh, I encourage you to go back and do that a little bit deeper after this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 10. And, and Jesus just poses a question um, that many of us, we don't think about because we ain't really worried about sparrows and stuff because most of us don't deal in those kind of trades. But when you think about it, like we're talking just about, in many cases, you walk out the door and you see a bird sitting on the tree and you say, oh, that's pretty, and you walk off. Like you, you don't put a, pay a lot of attention to it. I was sitting this morning, I went in and fixed Kenny and I a bowl of oatmeal. We got to where we eat some oatmeal together on Sunday mornings. And I was looking out the window and there was two squirrels like fighting with each other. It's like God even is concerned about them but came to save us. Like he knows all about them. And so when Jesus is talking about this, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Like, let's think about this in terms that you can understand. They're not very valuable in human perception. There, there's not a lot of value because we don't have to trade a lot for it. And he says, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. So the Lord is not going to allow even the most insignificant thing in your life to happen and not know about it. He's not going to allow anything... To even a bird to die, like we, I don't know how many times you drive by and you see a, a dead animal laying on the street, but it still doesn't escape. It doesn't just escape his sight, it does not escape his heart. Because those are still creations of him. And he says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. He says, fear not, therefore you are of more value than many sparrows. So all of this understanding that we've had and we talked again about perception when it comes to investment we also have a perception problem when it comes to our valuableness because everything valuable is always just something that we can tangibly touch we place value on money we place value on possessions we place value on relationships we place value on a lot of things and a lot of times we don't look at ourselves and place any value on ourselves and the reality of what the gospel actually teaches us is, is that Jesus came to save every single person. Not every single person will be saved because not every person is going to recognize it. And most of the problem is, is because we don't understand our value. Because we think that we have to create a value in ourselves. The only way that I can be valuable is if I give something away. And you know that there are no stipulations in this passage. God said you're already valuable right where you are. You're already in a place that's been predetermined to have value. Nothing you can do to change it for the negative. Nothing you can do to change it for the positive. Uh, a, a famous pastor that I've heard has put it this way. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more. There's nothing I can do to make him love me less. He loves me the same. My choices are the only thing that separate me from him. Once I know who he is. So every person, we, we believe this as a church, every person has a call. Every person has a Savior but doesn't recognize that they hadn't picked the phone up yet. They're scared as a telemarketer on the other end because they've got our cell phone numbers now. So every time the phone rings and you don't know the number, you ignore it. That's what people do. They, the, this, it says that even creation cries out for a God. 
So everywhere we go, we see the greatness of our God. Every person has been called, but not every person picks up the phone. Not every person answers that call. There, and, and here's another thing that I want you to understand as we get into this. There is clearly a biblical distinction between those that have received the call and have answered it and those that have not. Now the ones that have not immediately call that you're making judgment. You're making judgments no matter what you do. And we've talked about it before. The most famous Bible verse in all of Scripture for people outside the church, even some people inside the church, judge not lest ye be judged. We even do it in King James Version, and most of us don't even own a King James Version Bible anymore. But we don't, we don't grasp the idea that we are already being judged. If we do not answer that call, the judgment is in against us. If we answer the call, the judgment is in in our favor. So it, it, you're being judged. So God didn't give you a license not to judge. We have to make determinations because if you don't make determinations based on the fruit of people's lives, you never share the gospel. You never, you'll never get to a point where you start speaking life into people that are living death if you don't make those judgments. And the last thing is, those of us that have, we have a distinct responsibility for those that don't. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and then when those are found, they have taken on that identity. And so your value has already been determined, but what you do with what God calls you valuable determines what we do from there. And every, every time we take a step of faith... It's because we determine that we're going to make a decision based on the value that God's already placed on us to make a step of faith. And so when we talk about value from what, from what Jesus speaks in this passage, I want to show you just three things. The first thing is this. We know our place in the kingdom. We know our place in the kingdom because what we're living in a day-to-day -day life is not going to get us anywhere eternally. If we continue just to live for the job and continue to just get our kids through school and get them grown and, and, and just make it happen, and man, if we could just make it to retirement, we're still living for this world. Our, our perception of the world changes when we realize that our value has changed. When we realize that we've been valued so much that an eternal kingdom has been offered to each and every one of us, it changes the way that we look at things. Instead of saying, man, if I can just get them grown, man, I need these kids to be in Christ now so that when they become adults, they lead people to Christ. Or even while they're still kids, they're leading people to Christ. Man, why do you have me in this job? I, I know I'm going to meet a lot of people. A lot of them are going to get on my nerves, and a lot of it's going to be it's going to be frustrating. But God, you've got a reason for me being in this place. You've got a reason that you put this family unit together. You've got a reason that I'm, I'm nearing that retirement age so I can free myself up to be even more available to share the gospel. It's just a simple change of understanding. Jesus said this in the same parable in, in just a few verses before. He said, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. And so if Jesus was about kingdom principle and kingdom mindedness, then the ones of us that have identified ourselves as being a part of that kingdom, we now take on the very same imitating attitude that Christ Jesus did. We become like the teacher. 
We become like the Master. We become what we hang around. So if we are a part of the kingdom, we have to know our place in the kingdom. We also have to know other people standing in the kingdom because there are other people outside of this kingdom. We have to understand that we know that there are people that have a standing that is not like ours because not everybody has said yes to Jesus, has encountered the risen Savior and is locked into this kingdom mindset. Some of us have played church for a lot of years. We go, we listen, we do nothing with God's Word. And that's, there's a difference between us sitting and absorbing something because that's what our society wants us to do. We're an entertainment-based society. So everything's entertainment. As long as I'm getting something, I can soak it up and I can leave and nothing changes, that's a problem. Because there's a distinct difference between those that are in the kingdom and those outside. Here, here's how Jesus says it in Matthew 10, 32-33. He says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Like, th there's no, like, explaining this away. Like, I've, I've had people that's like, well, my relationship with Jesus is private. No, it can't be. If nobody knows you have a relationship with Jesus, then Jesus doesn't know you have a relationship with Jesus. Like, that's not, that's not my opinion. Re Let me read this word again. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, not just says, hey, God, I know you, I love you, in private. It says before men, live your life acknowledging God with your life, is what he's saying. He says, then I will acknowledge them before my Father who is in heaven. Because Jesus is the mediator between us and God. God the Father is ready to bring hell down on this earth because that's what we deserve. It's a reality of the gospel. I know a lot of us don't like to talk about that, but it's a reality. He's offered us a way that we don't have to suffer through that. And it says, he... he Whoever denies me, meaning I don't acknowledge that I have a relationship. If, if nobody asks, then nobody knows. I will deny them in front of my Father who is in heaven. There's a clear distinction between the two. And the last thing that Jesus points out is, is that Jesus saves. We are just to illuminate. I know words like this are not, they're not fun. They don't feel like they're self-helping. But I'd rather... I don't care if you get self-help. You need to have eternal help. Like you need to recognize that your value is determined by the God of the universe. And you need to acknowledge it. And then people need to know that you're acknowledging it. Jesus saves, we just illuminate. As he closes out this teaching in verses 40 through 42, he says, whoever receives you receives me. So we've gotten past the thought that, okay, I'm not going to deny my relationship any longer. It's kind of like when you're embarrassed, you know, maybe when you were a teenager, you didn't want your mom or dad to find out you were dating this girl or this guy, and so you don't want to tell nobody. You kind of keep it a secret on the down low. If I was the dude in that relationship, I'd be like, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Like, if it, man, you know what I'm talking about. If, you, if your lady don't like to tell people that you're the man, in front of other people, it bothers you. 
Now, it just hurts our feelings or maybe a little bit of argument and it may get a little breakup or something. But now put this in the same light of what we're talking about with the God of the universe. Jesus says, if you're going to treat me like that, I'm the other guy in the relationship. Then we're going to miss it. Now we're past that. I identify. I know who my Savior is and I'm going to let people know who my Savior is. He says, when you're willing to do that, whoever receives you then receives me. Whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. It's a, it's a chain reaction. You're, now I understand my value. I understand what Jesus came to do for me. And I understand what he wants to do through me. I'm, I've got value. I mean something to this world. Whether I know it or not. I don't have a million dollars. But it doesn't matter because that's the way the world defines. God defines differently. He says the one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. You know what I love about this? It's not just about the prophetic gifting, but did you know that every single one of you has spiritual gifts? Every one of you have been given spiritual gifts. You've been given gifts of pastoring. You've been given gifts of prophecy. You've been given gifts of teaching and hospitality. You've been given gifts. They've been planning there. If you go to Ecclesiastes, it tells you that before... In eternity past, before He ever created you physically, He deposited eternity into your spirit. That eternity is what's known as spiritual gifts that's taught about in the New Testament. And so, and it's not just about a prophet. It says whatever gift you have, the reward that you get for using that gift, the person that you use it for also receives the same reward. You're not only, you're not only showing yourself because God's now, I see God, I'm valuable. I mean something to this kingdom. But somebody else's eyes will be open as a result of you recognizing your worth in the kingdom. He says the one who receives a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. None of us are righteous apart from Christ. We can't obtain that without Him. He says whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Let me tell you, like how valuable a cup of cold water would have been in a biblical setting because I mean they couldn't just go to the ice box and get a get a cube of ice to cool the water off it, it's it's valuable but also think about how insignificant that thought is something as simple as offering someone a refreshing drink of water because you're a disciple God says there's still a reward for that. That's something simple. Like we don't we don't have to go save everybody. We have to do what God's equipped us to do in the situations that we find ourselves in. We have to be willing to step in into faith, not out in faith, but into faith in everyday life, in the situations we find ourselves, say, God, what are you trying to do with me right here? When I'm crazy homeschooling my kids. When we're in Walmart, grocery shopping, and Walmart is literally the personification of hell on earth. Because I hate going to that place. Why do you have me here? And you, you realize it's like, because this place needs saving. It's not just because you needed some bread and some toilet paper. We've got to recognize that God's got something there because we are invaluable because God says we are invaluable. That's all the justification that we need. That's the only thing that we need to recognize about that. And, and I want to show you just a couple things in Scripture. This is not circumstantial. 
it does not matter if you ever acknowledge God or not. Okay? Now, now hear me on this for a second. Romans 5a says, But God showed His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you showed any reason for God to do it, it's not valid or valuable anymore. The, the justification can't come from you because it's not based on who you are. It's just based on the fact that you are, that I am, and that I am has said you're valuable. I'm valuable. We have value. It's not circumstantial. It doesn't change. Hebrews 13 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. He, do, he doesn't change. His salvation for me is available for you. The Holy Spirit that He's left for me is available for you. It's a matter of whether or not we want to receive. The last thing is we can't earn it. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not a free gift if we can earn it. Our valuableness, our value, the way that we see ourselves can only be seen through the eyes of God. We've got to put on spiritual eyes. But there is a but to this. And I want you to see the buts. You have to recognize it. You've got to stop convincing yourself that yes you are a sinner but God doesn't hate you okay if God hated you he would not send his only son to save you he hates the fact that sin has destroyed the world that he created he hates the fact that sin has destroyed relationships it's even caused physical ailments like cancer Disease. Sin is the culprit. Sin is the culprit. You have to recognize it. How do we do that? First Peter says we've got to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt us. We have to recognize it. The second thing is we have to trust Christ. We have to trust Christ. James 4, 7 says that we've got to submit ourselves to God then we resist the devil, and it says, then he will flee from us. Submit yourselves to God. Recognize how valuable you are. Submit yourselves to God. That's repentance and rest. We've talked about repentance and rest in this place. You can't have rest if you don't have repentance. You stay in turmoil if there's no repentance in your bones. If you don't wake up every morning saying, thank you God for giving me another day because I don't deserve the one I had yesterday then you'll never find rest anywhere else. And it talks, it's, it's always in submissive language, and we hate that. We don't like it because it talks to a place where we're not in control anymore. But the truth of God's Word says if we'll submit, it says that God will be our covering. God will bring about rest. God will bring about peace. God will bring about satisfaction. That prayer that we prayed just a few minutes ago from Jeremiah 33, I will bring health and I will bring healing. There will be, there will be joy and there will be singing. There will be an exuberance that, that you can't even describe. I'll bring that. You've got to submit yourself. You've got to be humble to recognize. You've got to trust by submitting. And then you have to allow salvation to change you. I said this last week. I love my God because my God does not force Himself upon me. Like don't, don't think this negative. Just think this 
as true. Sometimes we hear a word that we may not like in the moment, but the more we think about it and we argue with ourselves in private and we talk about like what we would say to the, to the pastor because he just don't get it. You start realizing the more you rehearse that and you start rehearsing God's word through that, you start changing your mind. Any of you do that? Like, like when Brandy and I may be having a disagreement, you go away by yourself. You, you know, you come on now, y'all fight with your spouses. I'll sit there and lie. Never. But you know, you go off, you go off, and you have that imaginary conversation. And I don't know if it's just a man thing or if it's an everybody thing, but I'll go off and have that imaginary conversation, and it turns out I go. Dang, I was wrong. <laughs> I understand what she's trying to say now. We, look, that's what, when it talks about wrestling with God's Word, that's what it's talking about. Like, there's going to be times where we are faced with God's Word and we say, man, submission's tough. That's a tough conversation to have with God. So go off and have it. Have the conversation, God, I don't like this. God can take your questions, He can take your doubt. And he can turn it into something different. We have to allow salvation to change us. Philippians 1 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So once we've had the arguments, once we've figured this thing out, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to submit myself to you. I'm going to trust you. I submit myself to a lot of things, and I've been hurt before. I've submitted myself to people, thought it was a good thing, and it hurt. And so, when I think about submitting myself to you in a relationship, it hurts. Because that's what I know. God says, don't compare. Like, you've got to get to a point where you can trust me. Have that hard conversation with yourself prayerfully. God, I don't know if I can do this. Let God speak to you because He does that. He'll put that still, small voice right there in your ear. That fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to come through and say, you can. You can trust. God's always trying to get us to a place where we can just recognize Him. That we can trust Him. And then we can allow salvation to change us. And He goes on and He says, Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Because you were willing, you were willing to trust... And because your trust is now producing something new in your life. And you trust this, this new relationship that feels kind of weird. It, I don't get it all the time. And I miss it sometimes. And sometimes I don't feel like God's there at all. I, 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 like, don't feel like you're ever never going to be in that place. And the reason that that happens is because we move. But the enemy's also trying to drive a wedge constantly. And when the enemy's trying to drive that wedge, our first thought is, is that God doesn't love me. God, why am I going through this? You know why? Because the enemy knows that God sees you as valuable. And he's going to attack you with your worth. Your value. Because you don't think that you can have it. Because we just showed him that one little thing. That one little speck of doubt. There's no way that God loves me that way. There's no way I can trust God like He's talking about. There's no way that even if I do get to a point where I can trust God, that anybody would ever write something like that about me 
where even though they're not with me, they can still see that I'm standing firm in the faith? You got to stop letting yourself believe the lie. God's already determined your value. You have to trust it. You have to believe that God can do more, that God wants to do more, and that your worth and your understanding of your worth is it's got nothing to do with you, your past, your present, or your future. It's because God created you and He already sees the value because He placed it there. You have to trust. As we as we close today, I I was uh, I was looking at a passage in Colossians in a in a private my little private quiet time I have in the mornings, and uh, this passage came up in the Amplified version, and it, it kind of hit home for what we're talking about with value, because I I really think that that for us to really grasp a recognition of value, that forgiveness is a big key. And I think there's two sides to that coin because, number one, we have to realize that we need to be forgiven, which is where a lot of us end up. We've got a pride mentality that we don't need forgiveness. We don't need anything. But there's another side of that pride coin because it's the same place. It's just it's the same pride that we need to be people that are willing to forgive, too. Some of us think that we don't need forgiveness and then some of us think that we don't have to forgive to be forgiven and the scriptures are pretty clear that that's not true. And then there's some of us that are in another place where we don't think we can be forgiven. You don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You, you don't know. I, I can't... Like, I can understand that I need it, but I'm not worthy of it. Well, you're right. That's the beauty of this because your value's already been determined doesn't matter. Even the most prideful person who thinks they don't, God still says, you do, and I determined your value, and when you're humble enough, you'll recognize it. It's the same place. Pride is in control of all of that. I'm not worthy enough. It's just pride. It just It's negativity, pride. You're, you're self-deprecating on yourself. But in Colossians, Paul wrote to the church, he says, when you were dead in your sins... And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, and, and it gives you a little bit of an understanding, worldliness and manner of life, you didn't want to change anything. You didn't want to live the right way. You wanted to do things your way. It says, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands, which were in force against us and which were hostile to us. If you stay where you are, it is, it is not possible for you to pay the restitution for what you owe. You don't know what restitution is. When a judge considers you guilty, there's a fine that goes with it, and you got to pay restitution. We got broke into when we were living in Kentwood, and the young man that burglarized our house, they, they, the judge demanded that he pay restitution to to recoup the damages and all that stuff and it came up to I don't know $1,500 or something I've never seen a dime of it because he obviously couldn't pay it but it was put on him and when he couldn't pay it guess what he had to do he had to go back to jail because he couldn't do what he needed to do that's what we constantly find ourselves in we're constantly putting ourselves back into a legal battle that God has become he's not only sitting on the stand as a judge he's also sitting in our defense 
we have an opportunity to do something that you can never do in a court of law on the face of this earth. You've got the person who's going to render the verdict on your side. And you don't deserve it. Because the system is against us. This world system is against us. It's why there's so much hatred. It's why there's so much division. God didn't do that. Man did that. It's why, it's why this person can't get along with this person. It's why we divide ourselves by Republican-Democrat. It's why we divide ourselves by race, sex, and everything else. And God says, I didn't do that. I came to create something that was beautiful, that started beautiful. Man decided that we were going to divide. And the enemy planted the thought just so that the, the enemy could divide to conquer. That's all he wanted to do. God says, I'm bringing together because there's nothing to conquer because it's mine anyway. So that, that way of thinking is hostile. It says this certificate, he, he took that debt, that certificate of debt, in a court of law, which is, which is a signed legal document. And I mean, if you've never been in court before, they sign it. It goes back to the court clerk. The court clerk does the stamping and all that good stuff. If you've been through that route before, you've ever gotten a ticket or anything, you've seen that happen before. And he says that he has set it aside and completely removed it by nailing it to the cross. So like, picture this for a minute. The debt that you owe, God took it like a piece of paper and he took it to the cross and he stuck a nail in it and it was yours. Because Jesus was willing to do it. And so forgiveness starts right there. We've got to realize that we need it. We've got to realize that we're not, we're not so bad that we don't deserve it. And then we've got to realize that we've got to be willing to give it away because what God's given to us, we've got to be willing to give to other people. You need to understand that your value has already been determined. As a church, I've already mentioned this, we talk about we, we want people to encounter Jesus. I, I want us to just be people that, look, we don't get it right all the time. Sometimes I'm the, I'm the biggest dummy in the room. Most of the time, because I'm in the room with you guys. Y'all are beautiful. But we don't get it right all the time. But we're going to do everything we can to get out of the way so that people don't miss Jesus. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that Jesus is put on display. Even in our weakness, His strength shines through. Whatever the weakness may be. We want people to encounter Jesus. We want people to realize that they have a place in the kingdom. God's determined the value. Now whatever that may be, I, I came in here last night and I prayed over so many of you by name that are serving in different capacities in this church. Whether it's worship team, working with kids, leading small groups, uh, standing outside giving people hugs and high fives and, and watching these kids come in. and you know, They love walking in that door because they, they get like shoot in there. You know, like, get in there. But we'll stand over here high-fiving and just loving on people. Like, you don't realize how valuable that is, but God's created you to find a place in the kingdom so that you can give back what you've been given, and that's how we inspire other people. Three simple things that we believe as a church. Three simple things that we believe. All we want you to be able to do is to realize your worth. Realize your worth because God says something different. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, would like to connect with a pastor, or would like to support the ministry of Radiance, 
You can easily do so on our website at radiancemacomb.com. We hope you have a blessed week.